Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On this show, we talk about the system that we use to get clarity on our goals, certainty that we have the tools to reach them, and wealthy on our terms by rigging the game in our favor. And we share it here because we want to help you reach your goals on your terms. You've been told to scale, buy these products from every each way, often from good meaning people. So it's not your fault when you look around and you wonder, why is my business not where I want it to be? And as our business uh, partner and mentor, Dan Nicholson says, the biggest risk is that we don't get what we want out of life. Got my good friend, business partner here, Mr. Paul Sparks, uh, not only a successful real estate investor, but also a certified certainty advisor. And guys, if you get value out of the show, please hit the subscribe button right now. That way we can help more people become wealthy on their terms. Title for today's show, the biggest reason most businesses fail. But before we get to that, Paul, what's your six-word update? Well, this has a lot to do with what we're going to talk about today, but my six-word update is avoid altitude sickness on Success Mountain. Mm. Uh, this this concept of altitude sickness was introduced to me by uh, Randy Massengale. This was Dan's mentor. This was the former senior advisor to Bill Gates. And, um, you know, I think he's worked with a lot of prolific achievers over the years. And one of the things that he notices is that most people are subjected to this idea of altitude sickness as you go up in business and it manifests itself in different ways. You know, for some people, it's like really negative things like drinking too much or, you know, traveling too much or sex and women and all sorts of crazy stuff that could mm -hmm. affect you. And um, but for some people, it's what we're going to talk about today. You just you know, you outpace the spending in your business and you end up running your business kind of into, into the ground because you want this identity. So yeah, avoid, avoid altitude sickness on success mountain. Yeah. So my six hour update, talking to my champions is rewarding. So we've got the system in place now. We've got our champions list. They're in our CRM and my personal assistant is actively scheduling one call a champion a day. And Yesterday, I talked to my top champion, Mr. Leon G. Barnes, and we had an amazing conversation that wasn't about business at all. How about that? Yeah, it was hard to get started, but we made it through. We survived it, and it was rewarding. So, Are you schmoozing, Steve? Uh, yeah, I'm doing the schmoozing thing. Doing it. Yeah. We're, we're, we're making it happen. It's, it's not easy, right? This is, a, this is a skill that I don't have that comes naturally, right? Talking to yeah. people just to talk. Just shooting the shit, Steve, you know? Weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what is the problem? Um, what's the problem today, Paul? Uh, there's a phrase that I really like that I think illustrates the point we're trying to get across with the biggest reason why most businesses fail. And most businesses die from indigestion, not from starvation. Mm -hmm. But that means to me is that most businesses are going to make a mistake by either growing too fast or growing too slow or, um, you know, outspending their uh, what we're going to talk about the high watermark. Mm -hmm. They're not dying typically because they can't find business. It's usually yeah. because they're spending more than the business that's coming in. You know, like when I first heard this years ago, it really hit me in the gut. Right. Because we're always like, well, where is the next deal coming from? It's always, where is the next deal coming from? How are we going to do more business? How are we going to get our next deal? And 
for a lot of us in the earlier part of our journey, it's like, how do I get my first house? How do I get my first sale? Right? Like, how do I find my, the first motivated homeowner? Then after that, like, okay, how do I get in their living room? And then after that, how do I get them to sign a contract? And then after that, how, even though they're signing contracts with me, how do I make sure I can sell it to someone that will buy it? Or how do I make sure they're going to sign up on closing day? And so like the idea that most businesses fail due to indigestion versus starvation didn't make sense to me because I'm always worried about not making enough money, right? That's, that's my top most concern. How do I get more revenue? And, well, and by the way, what's the other thing you and I have always said that we used to say we're really guilty of as salespeople? Sales solves all problems, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> We've said that so many times, man. I'm not saying I I don't believe that to this day. I still I still think that sales solves all problems. Sales solves a lot problems. of problems, but not all yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah, right. that's a better way. Probably a better way to say it. Like you can fix a lot of problems if you can sell at a yeah. really high level. Uh, yeah. It doesn't excuse you from <laughs> the other parts uh, that that you know create a good business and a happy life. So. Yeah. So yeah. So when I first heard this, I didn't. It was just hard to stomach. But then. You survey the landscape. It's like, oh, yeah. Actually, you see this on Shark Tank a lot. Paul, I want to sell you my company, 10% interest for this amount, because I've got all these orders that I can't fulfill. Right? Or you see this, um, all these flippers who are buying all these houses, and they got a cash crunch because they got earnest money everywhere. They've got crews everywhere. And because they have too many projects and they've never had that many projects before, projects that used to take six weeks are turning into three months. So not only do they have a cash crisis, because money's taking longer to come in, they also have a cash conversion cycle crisis and there's just this spiral of death. Mm -hmm. You know, that I've experienced that. It's really, really painful and... Uh, and it, I think a lot of it is because let's talk about the evolution of a business. Mm -hmm. You start out in the hustle phase. It's, it's, it's not even a business. It's a side hustle in most cases, you know, yeah. um, and wholesaling is just an easy kind of one to talk about. So let's talk about that. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of people that get started in wholesaling, they get started because they watched a YouTube video or they heard a podcast and they say, wow, this is, um, I could do that. You mm -hmm. know, that doesn't sound like that hard. They see these big checks and you know, I could do this. And so <clears throat> they go out and they start, uh, building this business and it takes most people between two and five years to build somewhat. I mean, I wouldn't even call it reliable necessarily, mm -hmm. but you're, you're building something where you've got revenue at least coming in the door, right. you know, some sort of money that's coming in whether you're doing, you know, a deal a month, a half a deal a month or 10 deals a month, um, you, you figured out how to get some revenue into the business. And then what do we do? We end up listening to everybody else telling us how, how you should scale your business mm -hmm. and you've got to start hiring and delegating and you got to start, you know, um, bringing in all these marketing channels and all these different functions inside the business. And I'm not saying that's not necessarily true. But that is usually how it kind of goes. You go from this hustle phase, and now you're trying to build a, a viable 
business. And a lot of this has to do with, I think Gary Harper refers to this phase as like perseverance. Mm -hmm. You're pushing through a lot of just challenges and growth and things like this. And what I found is I was very susceptible to this identity that mm -hmm. I wanted so badly, which was successful real estate investor. Yeah. You know, I left my job to go full-time in real estate and I was so eager to be the successful real estate investor that I wanted so badly to be. So what do you do? You end up grasping at anything that will contribute to that identity. Mm -hmm. And whether that's joining masterminds or, you know, getting coaching or paying for a new marketing channel or hiring a new employee or whatever it is, mm -hmm. all that stuff, at least for me, was going to feed this identity that I wanted, mm -hmm. which was successful real estate investor. I also needed to make money. So I'm not discounting the fact that I was trying to make a profit in business, but um, I don't know. That was my evolution. And I guess, well, I mean, I, I can, I can speak on the same thing too, right? We see this a lot. I'm guilty of this and we've seen this a lot, right? Like one of the things that just absolutely drives me crazy. is like, all right, now that I've closed a couple of deals, I can now hire a VA to call these leads for me. So I don't have to call these. Yeah. Right. So what happened? We removed the guy who was actually able to close deals. We replaced him with a VA who hopefully can book appointments, but we don't know whether they can or not. And we've incurred an expense and something Dr. Jeff Spencer talks about. We have this, I don't know if it's mission creep, but there's this creep of just every month our obligations increase. We sign up for this service, we sign up for that service, we buy this marketing thing, we, buy, we bought this VAs, we're buying this data, we've got the CRM, and it's just this steadily rising over time. You just look back one day and say, wow, we have a lot of obligations. But what's what do I want to go with that? We at, In the beginning at times, we remove ourselves from the revenue component. So we have less reliable revenue because we're not on the phones, but our expenses increased. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is what we mean by indigestion is the you start adding all these components. And we talk a lot about this concept of system reliability in you know Whale Club. And it's it basically, it's pretty simple. The more things that need to go right, mm -hmm. the less likely it is to all go right. <clears throat> so, you know, before... When it was just you in the hustle phase, it's like the number of things that need to go right is that you get out of bed and make your calls. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a volume game at a certain point, and you are the business at that point. Right. But you're right. Then you start. Um, we we've spent we spend so much energy in the hustle phase that we want so badly to remove ourselves from the business. So we're so mm -hmm. very eager to start hiring this person, and then we're gonna you know, switch CRMs because we got to grow. And then we're going to add these new marketing channels and all these things. And what you're doing is you're adding more things now to your system that have to go right. And, you know, that's okay. As we grow a business, you, you can add more components. You but, must add those as you, as you scale, but exactly. But the focus has got to be on reliability mm -hmm. and let's, let's introduce a concept from, rigging the game. Um, and Dan talks about this in the closer versus more chapter, this idea of what he calls the high month paradigm. Mm -hmm. And so here's what happens is we, as we're growing our business, we're consistently hitting new high months. 
and setting new records, you know? And at the beginning, it's easy to set records because like <laughs> you start and you have zero deals. And then your first deal is like, woohoo, big record. Mm -hmm. Your next big record is then you get two deals in a month. And you're like, whoa, that's a, that's, you just completely doubled your deal flow going from one to two. Then you go from two to three and, and you start every single time you hit this new high watermark. The high month paradigm says that within three to four months from that point, your expenses now will adjust to be equal to that mm -hmm. high watermark. And what we think of this is every single time you make money in your business, what do you do? You invest it right back into the business. Well, because you got to hustle. Because we got to scale is actually what I think of it as. Yeah. Like we all want to scale so badly because scaling in our minds gives us the ability to hire somebody else to run mm -hmm. this business. And now we're sitting in the owner's box and just collecting a check. That's, I think, what we want is mm -hmm. that identity of whether it's real estate investor or business owner or something like that. I don't think any of us have a vision of when we start at least wanting to run that company forever. We yeah. want to build it so we can exit and we can get, you know, uh, owner's box money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, even that, like when I first started long, long time ago, this owner's box thing really wasn't even a concept. Uh, I remember reading uh, the millionaire real estate agent book by Gary Keller, right? The founder of Keller Williams. And it wasn't until I picked up that book a few years in my career. It's like, wait a minute, sitting in the owner's box is an option. <laughs> right. That is different today. Everyone today wants to eventually get in the owner's box. But I can say for myself, when I first started, it's like, wait, there's a day that's possible where you don't have to show houses and you could just get leads and people would just work the leads and you profit from that. That's insane. Right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the high month paradigm. So here's so we're saying revenue goes up, eventually expenses go up, but because it's a high month paradigm, this is a new personal record. That's not going to stay necessarily. Uh, something that, you know, we were talking about yesterday. Uh, this is a paraphrase from Nick Peterson. Is that what's attainable is very different than what's sustainable. Mm -hmm. And in our mind, we've actually shifted our identity. Like, I'm this person that does 10 deals a month. Yeah. Right? And now that I'm this person that does 10 deals a month, I have this identity and I need the expenses to match it. Because this is what it takes to do 10 deals a month. Unfortunately, that 10 deal a month was a PR and not something that we've been able to prove we can do consistently over three or four months. Mm -hmm. I, I think that the identity component is the root cause, in my opinion, at least what it was for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many... What's the, what's the metric, the yardstick for success in the direct-to-seller space? The metric it's for always, success? Uh, it's always how many deals per month do you do? That's how I see it. Yeah, how many deals a month are you doing? Yeah, or or a year? Yeah, is you how many how many wholesale deals you do in a month, or how many flips you do a year? It just seems like when we're talking about flips, it's how many flips per year, how many wholesale deals per month? That's just was what I seem to be. It seems to be a pretty consistent way of measuring yourself. Yeah, I I, I will even say that it's it's usually not quite per year because that would give you a, an, a better picture. Most people talk about it in terms of a, per month. How many deals per month do you do? But I'm just saying it might be because you're talking to wholesalers. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, yeah, we are talking about wholesalers in yeah. this case. Yeah. So how many deals per month do you do? You mm -hmm. ask a wholesaler. Typically, what I found is they're going to look back in their previous year and they're going to find their high, their high watermark. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> how many deals did they do on their best month? Mm -hmm. And they're going to take that as, well, this is how many deals per month I do. Just like when you ask a marathon runner or someone who runs a lot or something like that, like, what do you run a marathon at? Well, they're going to tell you their best, their best, uh, uh, PR. Mm -hmm. They're not going to give you the average of what sure. they do on training, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, before I got into wholesaling, right, I, I was on the realtor side. And I remember this is so laughable when I was going from the realtor side to the wholesaler side. I was like, okay, finally I can join an industry that's honest. Well, the same. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, but on the realtor side, I noticed that everyone says, how many deals do you do? Like, you know, what kind of business do you do? And everyone said, I do this many deals per month. And you look back, it wasn't even, that's how many transactions they did per month. It was their high mark for number of escrows at a time, right? Mm. So if they had 10 in escrow, I'm a 10 houses a month person. Like, no, you're not. But that is how they all translate it. But going back to who you identify as, and then, increases the expenses to match identity what's the risk well there's a lot of risk well, i think we'll <laughs> most immediately uh, i mean that's a that's a really loaded question what's the risk um i i i want to hit on the identity just make one more comment about that it's it's fueled by the culture i think that we're in mm -hmm. you know the comparison culture the social media culture you know the fact that um, it, it, for whatever reason, it has everything to do with volume and no one's talking about, well, what, what are you taking home? Mm -hmm. What are you profiting from? But it's that's irrelevant. not the identity that we want. Irrelevant. We want this it's completely irrelevant. <laughs> um, and and I, I don't know why the analogy of like a marathon runner to me makes mm -hmm. so much sense because if you're training for something like that, or, or maybe you're like working out or lifting weights or, you know, looking at a bench press or a deadlift, you don't deadlift your PR every single time you go into the gym. Mm -hmm. That's not an indication necessarily of your rolling average as it's improving over time. It's a high watermark. It's, it's great. We shouldn't, I'm not saying we shouldn't celebrate that, mm -hmm. but imagine if we went out and, you know, how many deals per month do you do, bro? You go back and you pick your your top month from the last mm -hmm. year, and it's you know it's ten deals, and it's like the marathon runner that's now trying to hit a PR every single day they go out and run, and that just doesn't that's not how it it works. Well, you go back to your workout example, right? I mean, in my twenties, it was always like, what do you bench? Right? Yeah. Oh, well, here's how much I bench. I don't know why. That was always the question. What was your bench in your 20s, Steve? I got to know this. Uh, my max ever was 285. That's right. pretty good. So, but if my max was 285 that one time, the next day I wasn't going for 287 and a half. I wasn't adding two and a half pounds. Yeah. Right. The next day. But that's what we do in business. And, and, <laughs> and, it just makes so much sense when you talk about it in that, yeah. you know, domain. Uh, you'd hurt yourself. You would yeah. hurt yourself. You get hurt, and that's what's happening in our businesses. It, hurting yourself looks like burnout and stress and mm -hmm. overwhelm and just like misery. Actually, is what it equates to. Is you you want so badly to now um, 
assume this identity. You fight so hard to maintain it, mm -hmm. and and it manifests itself in burnout, but also liquidity and solvency problems. Um, those are two big words that I had to learn this last year, <laughs> kind of the hard way, <laughs> yeah. working with Dan, and because I made all these mistakes, right? I I did first of all. This is a playbook of what not to do. And I can mm. say this because I went through this process and made this mistake. And hopefully you can go to tuition or you can go to school on our tuition here. Yeah. I um, mean, you made this mistake. It sounds like only once I made this mistake at, at least five times, at least in yeah. my career. Well, so what happens is so liquidity refers to your ability to pay your debts that are less than a year. So anything short term refers to your liquidity. Anything past a year, your ability to pay your long-term debts, is what we refer to as solvency. Uh, it'll make you sound really smart next time you use mm -hmm. those words because I didn't know them until this year. And I think I, I, I knew them, but I didn't really understand how it you know, is so critical to part of your business. And so here's what happens. Um, we set this high watermark, and then the high-month paradigm says, well, well, within two to three months, you'll end up adjusting your expenses to meet that and what ends up happening is you create a liquidity problem mm -hmm. like you're saying you've got all this money out on uh uh earnest money deposits or in marketing spend that's uh you know we're looking at probably a six month return timeline because now you're building this direct mail and you're going seo and like this stuff's not going to see a return for six to 12 months but you're yeah. spending as if that revenue is already coming into the business and that was the mistake that I made. I became uh, illiquid, essentially. Yeah. I just didn't have enough money to pay my short-term debts. Right, short-term obligations, but not, not just that, right? It's it's the the cash flow component, right? So, like, here's here's my worst example, uh, and this is in the last two years, right? So things are going really well. Education's taking off. Wholesale's doing really well. Powder company's doing well. We've got an influx of capital, so we hire a bunch of people. Right, we take our space, we absorb our neighbor. So they had their space was no, it was the same size as my space, but once COVID occurred, they could no longer they no longer came in. But they had a personal guarantee, so that guy was still on the hook for five thousand a month. I'm a wholesaler, offered him seventy percent. I'm take I took over his space at thirty five hundred a month. Right, we agreed on that. So we take over his space, um, and then we spend fifty k to remodel both spaces to make it look like one space. So I have this podcast studio now was formerly a classroom. That over there, uh, our, our former classroom, our former podcast room is now our command center. So I picked up a bunch of overhead. I spent 50K I had in the, in the bank that's no longer with me in the bank. I increased uh, my lease by 3,500 bucks a month, increased the utilities, right, to, <laughs> to support all that. And then the market shifts. So I've got expenses to match one best month ever. It wasn't like three or four good months row, one best month ever. And then my expenses increased, but then my revenue went back to earth. Mm -hmm. It's brutal, man. It's kind of like you got to get the house, you got to get the car to match the house mm -hmm. kind of thing, right? You start elevating your lifestyle and mm -hmm. you start building your business up. And I mean, that's not even an unreasonable move to make, you know, it makes sense. That's the thing in the moment. You're like, well, let's just make so much sense. Mm -hmm. Let's just keep growing. Right. Um, it's all the unaccounted for costs that 
you just and it's not just in terms of we talk about different currencies it's not just the uh you know the monetary cost how about just the the mental weight mm -hmm. um this is i think where the concept of right sizing your business comes into play i'm a big fan of that and we have a a, a phrase that or it's actually part of Dan's operating system. He calls it the rule of three and 10. Mm -hmm. It's this idea that as your business grows, everything breaks on the threes and the tens. So let me give you an example. When you go from one deal a month to three deals a month, everything that got you from you know one deal a month, is going to break at three deals a month. You're going to need this, different systems, different people, different processes, all sorts of stuff. It's also going to break again at 10 deals a month. And it would break again at 30 deals a month. Mm -hmm. And you can use that as number of deals. You could use that as revenue, 100K to 300 to a million to 3 million, stuff like this. And so what we've learned is um, you can do, do some research on the rule of three of 10. You can read about it in Dan's book. But I've observed this in my own business. And not only does it break your preferences at these different points, um, don't always align with what the business needs. For example, mm -hmm. I can't have businesses where I have to manage more than four people. So immediately what I realized was there's no way in hell I'm ever going to get to four to 10 deals a month mm -hmm. with wholesaling. That's just, it's not a business. It's not even like, could I do it? It's like, I don't want to do that. Right. Um, and so I don't think that every people are always accounting for the hidden costs to your time, to your energy, to just different things that there's probably a right size for mm -hmm. your business. And it's less about trying to grow your high watermark and more about how do we consistently maintain that so that we, uh, the likelihood that we ever go less than a certain amount is mm -hmm. very, very low. Yeah. And I think, you know, that goes back to preferences, right? Like Paul likes to be able to travel. He likes to be able to work from anywhere in the world, right? That is different than maybe running an operation where they're doing 10 deals a month, right? So, but going back to this, so the risks is your expenses go up and your expenses, for whatever reason, once they're incurred and obligated to, are so hard to cut back, especially when they're people, right? Like you hired a person, it's a lot harder to cut back on that person. But guess who doesn't care? Your revenue. Your revenue doesn't care what your expenses are. Your revenue goes up, goes down. That's, that's just the, the, the everyday reality. So when your expenses are fixed and they go up to match your high watermark and your revenue goes down, this is what we're talking about. Businesses failing from indigestion versus starvation, right? You're, you're now coming out of pocket to keep the business going, right? And if you're not liquid enough, if you're not solvent enough, this is how we saw so many people last year exit the business. Now, there's another thing that you and I talked about beforehand as well. It's not easy setting a new PR. Everyone is firing on all cylinders on all, uh, to execute the vision, right? You said, hey, I want to do A, B, and C. Everyone, work your butt off. This is what we're going to do. And we execute it nearly flawlessly and we get this new pr what do we do we come back in we're going to set a new pr what were your people doing stretching 
nearly burnt out. Maybe pissed off and hates you a little bit. And what's the reward for being good at their job? More work. Yeah. More stretching. They might not like you <laughs> when you're trying to set this new PR as you're, as you're consistently stretching your resources. It's got to be brutal. Um, I've been in that position. You know, I've been in sales roles where, where every single month they raise goal or quota or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's demoralizing to your team, you know, because again, there's a certain finite amount of energy that all of us have. And if we're not acknowledging the rhythms of life and business and the rhythms of our limitations as humans, just in general, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, mental, physical, emotional energy and spiritual energy. I mean, a lot of this is like, you're asking them to buy into this vision. It becomes almost spiritual in a way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, you've got to slow down to let your team, um, Catch their breath. Replenish. Yeah. Catch their breath, <laughs> gain their <laughs> energy back, like rest. Yeah. And it's just so easy for us to make that mistake as leaders of businesses and visionaries is like, we're already on to the next thing, mm -hmm. but you've got to have a pulse on what is actually capable of your team. Cause if you burn them out, then that progress is just going to backslide and you're going to, mm -hmm. you're going to revert back to your, um, your previous, your previous point, I would say, yeah. if not and, lower. And I think the other thing too is once I learned this principle, it's actually helped me celebrate more. So I have achievement addiction. We've talked about this on the show before, right? I've got major achievement addiction function of our upbringing, right? Once I learned about the high month mark and the highest month paradigm, it actually allowed me to celebrate because before I was like, all right, I hit this milestone. Now I got to break this milestone. Now that I'm aware of the high month mark, it's like, oh, this is a new mark, but this isn't the new achievement. And what I mean by that is this is not the new standard. We'd love for it to be the new standard, but it's not the new standard. So let's celebrate this while it's good and see if we can sustain this. Mm -hmm. Right? It's a different attitude. And so I had... um. I got a personal trainer and one day I came in and things were good. I mean, I am lifting better than normal. I'm more flexible. I'm lifting more weight. And she says, Hey Steve, you know, you're having a really good day today. You want to add a little more weight. And a younger version of myself would have been like, Oh yeah, let's go. Let's set a new mark. The 40 year old version of Steve is like, let's just enjoy this moment that we're having a really good workout because what's the risk? of adding more weight because we're having a good day hurting ourselves yeah. and then removing ourselves from working out for a couple months. Yeah. I think restraint is a part of maturity. That's yeah. just one of the things I've learned from Dr. Jeff and he's just hammers that into my brain is, you know, saying yes and hustling is, is probably what contributes to your success at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, but as you continue to become a prolific achiever, restraint becomes the number one word in your vocabulary. And this makes me think of, um, <clears throat> there's a book by Jim Collins called uh, Great by Choice. And in this book, they talk about two explorers 
who in the early 1900s, I think it was like 1911, 1910, something like that. Um, I was just actually just watching Ernest Shackleton, like a video about him uh, recently too. I, I don't know why I'm just fascinated by this stuff. But anyways, these, these two guys were trying to get to the South Pole. They were exploring the South Pole. And they call this the 20-mile march. And it was this idea that they could do more than 20 miles in a day. In a lot of days, in a lot of cases, they could do more than that. But what made him successful as a leader and as a team, what made them successful was that whether they could do less or more, they did 20 miles every single day and they stopped. They knew that that was the right push every single day. Some days it was going to feel like a really difficult push. Some days they could do more. They could probably walk 30, 40 miles but they showed restraint and they only walked 20 because it's not about how big of a PR can we set. It's about the rolling average. What can we maintain consistently? Um, and you said that at the beginning, it's um, our maximum achievability mm -hmm. is not the same thing as our maximum sustainability. And I think that's what we're trying to, to raise as business owners is not necessarily what can we do on our best month, it's like, what can we do and sustain over time? And, you know, in this case, it's like maybe the first time you walk to the South Pole, you do 20 miles a day. Mm -hmm. And then you go back and you do it again. And now it's, okay, we're going to do 21 miles a day because we've proven that we can get there. Maybe you leave it exactly the same. I don't know. That's kind of the point of right-sizing your business is mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have to exert yourself to exhaustion in order right. to be successful as a business owner. It's how do we do the 20-mile march every single day because we know we can maintain that and we can sustain that, you know, yeah. uh, in order to get to where we're trying to go. Right. And so the question might be is instead of like, how do I get to 10 deals a month? Right. How do I, a question, a different question might be, how can I make sure that in my worst month, I only do five deals. Mm -hmm. Right. So instead of going like, you know, zero, one, three, eight, four, whatever, it's like, okay, on my worst month, I'm still good for five different yep. questions, a different organization. Yep. You do that. Well, that's your 20 mile march. If your yeah. 20 mile march is five deals a month, you're trying to say, how do we make sure that we can get five deals done every single month? And like, how do we make sure that we can walk 20 miles every single day? I know we could probably do more, mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily about how much can we do. It's how do we make sure we can sustain? And I think the last maybe um, topic that we talk about relative to this whole indigestion and what causes problems for business owners. And again, Dan talks about this in rigging the game and this closer versus more chapter. And a lot of us are familiar with Parkinson's law and Parkinson's law essentially says work expands to fill the space that you give it. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this in kind of two, two key examples. Um, you know, Elon Musk has said this, if, if you give yourself six months to start a business, it'll take you six months. If you give yourself three years to start a business, it'll, it'll take three years. Mm -hmm. We see this with our kids. I'm sure your kids are the same way. You tell them, Hey, I want your room clean by the end of the week. Guess when they're going to clean their room. Mm -hmm. You tell them, Hey, I want your room cleaned in 30 in the next 30 minutes, like before dinner, they're going to get their room cleaned in that 30 minutes. And so yeah. the, the, the amount of time we give ourselves, um, Parkinson's law says that our, that our effort, our work expands to fill that time. And that's the same thing when we look at income versus expenses. We see Parkinson's law again. 
the more income we make, we end up filling it with more expenses. Mm -hmm. So we don't actually end up keeping more. We end up investing it all back in because Parkinson's law is true. So, you know, that's another thing I think that contributes to the indigestion of a, of a business owner Mm -hmm. and something we all just kind of want to be very careful of. Well, yeah. I mean, that goes back to profit first, right? We've had, uh, David Richter in the show. We've all talked about Mike McAllowitz. Expenses, for whatever reason, always increases to match revenue. And just a couple other illustrations for Parkinson's Law, for those of you guys that are unfamiliar with the concepts. Think about the last time you traveled. Got one suitcase. How often, Paul, have you traveled with a suitcase that was a third full? Never. Never. We always fill the suitcase. Um... One of the things about us as Americans, we have really big plates at dinner. And what almost, what almost always happens at the end of dinner, we finish our plate. Mm-hmm. Right? We always finish what's ever on the plate. So this is how we're wired. And this is how we're wired. What Paul and I are trying to do is shine the light on the fact that you will magically increase your expenses to match your high watermark revenue versus your consistent rolling average revenue. And that's what causes a lot of businesses to struggle, to fail. And we want to make sure that if nothing else, be aware of it so that when it does happen, it's like, oh, obviously they talked about it. And then you can be better prepared to prevent it uh, the next time. Because look, like I said, I've done this at least five times, if not every single year in my business, but not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. We're going to we're going to try to avoid this stuff. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I just make a list here. I was making a list of here are, in my mind, the biggest risks to violating the high month paradigm or Parkinson's law or, you know, altitude sickness, mm-hmm. as I call it, you know. It's this is another way of saying you get this high month and then all of a sudden you're this big shot, you know, 10 deal a month guy or seven figure a month, you know, business owner or whatever it is, that identity that you you craved so badly. And now you got there mm-hmm. and you're so eager to maintain it. You want to you want to keep that feeling. So you make these decisions that adjust to this new identity that you want. And um, meanwhile, you probably just had a really good month and that's great. But what we want to do is instead of focusing on how do we push our PR, Mm -hmm. it's how do we build for our average and slowly increase the rolling average over time, right? Where it's the 20 sec, it's the 20 mile March concept. It's like, we want to, we want to increase what we can maintain and sustain, not what we can achieve necessarily. Mm -hmm. And we will have consistently these high watermarks, but um, I have a couple of rules for myself now in my business that are some action items I think that some people can, can, can take is one, anytime we hit a new high watermark, we're not allowed to adjust expenses for four months after that point. Dan says it's usually within the first, like within three to four months, you're going to expand expenses. It's a, it's a form of restraint. Okay. Fantastic. You had a great month. Uh, let's see what happens in the next two or three months because it could be an outlier. Mm-hmm. It could also be um, the time to to press, but we've got to have 
multiple data points to support that. And so hitting that high watermark is great. Let's see what the next two or three months look like after that. And instead of focusing on immediately trying to go out and hire more people and put more on your team's back because they just killed it for you and it makes no sense. Like, why are we doing that? Mm -hmm. Let's pause for a second. Let's replenish the tank and let's focus on raising the floor slowly over time, raising yeah. the, the low spots in the business. Well, here's the other thing too, right? We're not saying don't go for, don't go for big. We're not saying don't ever do 10 deals a month. All we're saying is if you build a business that on your worst month, you're going to be doing five deals a month. Naturally, you will have 10 month, 10 deal months. You will, might have a 15 deal month, right? You're going to raise the ceiling when you raise the floor, but you don't necessarily raise a floor when you're raising the ceiling. Yeah, I don't know why this is popping into my head, but it's like a baseball analogy. You know, mm -hmm. if you're always constantly swinging for the fences, you're going to strike out a lot, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and if you're swinging for base hits and line drives, you're going to end up knocking a bunch of homers and it's all gravy at that point. You know, right. like the, the best part about building a, you know, the 20 mile March and building for your average is that everything above that is upside, mm -hmm. you know? And if we know that we can hit this on our average days, it's going to be a, on our worst it's days. Gonna, yeah. I mean, on our worst days, we're going to have to like, push a little bit to make mm -hmm. sure we can hit at least average. Um, but everything above average obviously is, is, is gravy and it just adds right to the bottom line. So I think the whole point we're trying to communicate here is we've made this mistake and it's really, really difficult when you've got a business mm -hmm. that's dying because of indigestion and you don't even know why it's dying. You don't know what's not working mm -hmm. because you grew right. so quickly. You added so many components because you were so, desperate to have that identity that you wanted so badly. Again, I can speak on this because I am just so guilty of it so mm -hmm. many times. And um, so the, the way to kind of avoid that is to beware of the altitude sickness. Mm -hmm. Like you go up and it's going to affect you in some way. Yeah. Like make sure that you've kind of thought through that. Make sure that you're, you're putting restraint as a practice into your business. Mm -hmm. Be a leader, go accomplish big goals not saying that, you know, you, like, like Steve's suggesting, we're not, we're not saying that you can't go or shouldn't go achieve big things. You should, but recognize that your team's going to need a break from that. And most of the time, what comes from a, uh, what's on the other side of a peak is usually a valley. Mm -hmm. And that's just life. So beware of the high month paradigm. And you hit that high month, beware of trying to increase your expenses very quickly to adjust to that because we got to get more data. We got to be in the business a little longer to justify these things. And um, naturally it will come through growth. Were you a baseball player? Yes. Were you a pitcher or, or, or... I was, yeah. A pitcher in center field. Yep. Okay. Were you also good at the, at the plate? Uh, I mean, I was okay. I would say I was a little barely above average. Okay. Um, but well, I'm only not, asking these questions, the you know, I'm just look, like, Kind of what we're saying is like you don't have to try to be. It's cool to be Sammy Sosa. It's cool to be Barry Bonds. Right? It's cool. Not downplaying that that's cool, right? Well, you could be the guy who's really good at getting on base. If you guy that's really good at getting on base, that guy gets paid pretty well too. 
Right. Yeah. Look at the look at the best teams in MLB history. They're not the ones that had the most home runs. They're the ones that got the most uh, the highest on base percentage. Right. They made a whole they movie scored about the it. most runs. They made a whole movie about it with Brad Pitt yeah. and uh, was that other, the other chubby guy? It's not chubby anymore. Um, I forget his name. Uh, Clint Eastwood. No, no, the the the. It was it was awesome. Wolf of Wall Street, right? Like you, if you show me that check, I'll quit my job right now. Oh, oh, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill, right? I mean, they helped, made yeah. a whole movie about it, right? It was about on base percentage, right? Yeah. But if you get really good at hitting singles, a natural byproduct is you're going to hit some homers. So, yep. Um, I just want to write down a couple of different things, and I know I've shared this before. Actually, there was a new realization that came up yesterday when we were having our whale club call. Um, so first. Uh, I share with my wife, I'm really grateful that I partnered up with Paul because I'm asking myself better questions now. And she's like, what kind of better questions are you asking? It's like, well, before Paul, I was asking myself, how can I drive more revenue? How can I get more sales? It's like, what's wrong with that question? I was like, well, that question is actually pretty good, but we can ask a better question. What's the better question? How can I increase profit without adding any major risk or any additional risk? It's like, yeah, I do like that question better, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is what? Raising the bottom or raising the floor. The other question, this is something that uh, I asked you this yesterday. It's something that's on my mind, and I'm going to noodle on this some more. But we're always having these revenue targets on our quarterly and annual meetings. And I'm asking myself, maybe instead of revenue targets, what if we had profit targets? So what are our minimum profit targets? And if we have minimum profit targets, now we're not just asking about how to do more deals, but we might say, well, what are some ways we can improve operations? What are some ways we can improve reliability? What are some ways we can add some safeguards to protect ourselves from bad things happening? Mm-hmm. Raises different questions. Yep, it's a different lens. And why all the people who have been around for, you know, doing this for a long time, they don't care about how much revenue you're doing. They don't care about how many deals you're doing. What does that have to do with anything? Right. Uh, it's all about like, what are you actually taking home? Yeah. You know, what is your net? You know, what is your profit? Mm-hmm. Um, that is the ultimate reason why we got into business uh, for a lot of us is for financial freedom. So mm-hmm. the revenue, it's, it's, it's not a bad question to be focusing on, but like you said, it's not really what moves the needle for us and helps us get closer to the life we want to live. And yeah, reorienting towards profit and profit is a lot of times about closer versus more. It has a lot more to do with, um, understanding all of these different things that we've talked about the high month paradigm, Parkinson's law, you know, adjusting to these high watermarks, understanding that your biases are going to play a role in this. And, you know, you're going to want to associate with this new, quote, identity of your high watermark and just know that that's all got to be factored into the equation as you're kind of going forward. And the risk of violating these things is complete failure in business, <laughs> uh, liquidity problems, solvency problems, burnout, um, uh, prioritizing the wrong things. You know, we just make these mistakes like, you know, it's the classic entrepreneurs that says, mm-hmm. honey, I'm doing this for you. It's like, really? Because... <laughs> You're already making, let's say, like, I don't know, let's say you're making a quarter million dollars a year, but you're so hell bent on trying to make a half a million dollars a year. It's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, but are you willing to make decisions in your business that get you further away from the things that you say that are actually important, which is your time, your freedom, your energy and ability to spend, 
you know, do do what you want with who you want, when you want, all those things. Well, that goes down as you start acquiring all these obligations and start. That's the risk of only focusing on how do I grow the top line revenue, mm-hmm. you know, and and oftentimes you can prioritize the wrong things and unfortunately ends up getting you further away from mm-hmm. what you actually wanted. Absolutely. So hopefully, again, we can raise some awareness, shine a light, maybe potentially press the button that's hurt you in the past. Cause I, like we've said, we're speaking about this from experience. You might, if you're listening to this, be experienced, have experienced the same thing as well. And you know, if you guys haven't yet pick up a copy, uh, rigging the game, right? If you want to build a more profitable, reliable, fulfilling business, pick up the copy rigging the game. And if you guys want, you know, after you read the book, figure out how Paul and I are applying it specifically within our businesses, go to realestatecertainty.com, schedule a call with Paul, and he can uh, help you shed some light on how we're applying these principles inside our businesses. So with that, thank you guys all, and we'll see you guys next week.